Good morning. It's good to uh, be reminded of all these truths of um, just God's amazing grace and his amazing love towards us. Um, Today we're going to learn a little bit more about that, and it's going to be kind of on the theme of how God views you. Um, Our passage this morning is in Romans 6, 11 through 23. Um, But before we get there, I want to talk about uh, Lazarus. Lazarus is very familiar to us. He, um, he was very sick, and he was on his deathbed, and he died before Jesus arrived to see him. He was buried for four days uh, by the time Jesus came to the tomb. And Jesus told uh, Martha that Lazarus would rise from the dead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus came to the tomb where Lazarus was, and Martha points out to Jesus, like, hey, like, he's been dead for four days. If you took the, the uh, stone away, it's going to stink. He's clearly very dead. But Jesus, um, regardless, tells the men, roll away the stone. And he cries out with a loud voice, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And it says that he who had died came out bound um, hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. It's an amazing miracle that Jesus performs. And it proves that he has power over sin and over death. And he has the power to raise a dead man to life. And if you're a believer today... um, I'm sharing this story with you because it helps to illustrate the truths about yourself and what God's done for you and what, um, how he looks at you. Um, the truth is that the moment that you trusted in Christ's de- uh, death, burial, and resurrection, um, these things also happened to you. You became dead to sin. You were raised to walk in newness of life. Um, and in light of these truths, we should live differently. That's what we'll talk about this morning. Uh, we'll talk about essentially how, now that we know how God looks at us, how, now that we know what he's done for us, um, this is what we need to do. We need to get the grave clothes off um, of the old man and start walking in newness of life. So our passage this morning is in Romans 6, verses 11 through 23. Romans six eleven through 23. And verse 11 reads, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present your members as instruments, uh, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered." And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. 
For just as you presented your members as slaves of un, uh, your, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. During um, the Civil War, the, the northern and southern states were fighting over the issue of slavery, and it battled for many, many years. Um, long story short, and eventually the North wins, and Abraham Lincoln signs what's called the Emancipation Proclamation, and he frees all the slaves. And all the slaves had to do um, was to escape control of their masters and enter into the, uh, the Union border um, in the North. And Lincoln said that if they did this, they would be forever free. There was a story I read, though, of a, a woman who was a slave her whole life. Uh, she was born as a slave, and one day Lincoln signs this proclamation, and she's confused about who she is, because she says, am I free or am I a slave? Because I was born a slave, and my master um, that I've worked for my whole life says I'm not free, uh, but Lincoln says I am, and when I go to my own people, they say I'm free. So I don't know what I am, who I am, what I should do. Am I free or am I not? And you could live your whole life like this woman, confused about your position, um, and it caused her all kinds of trouble. We talked about last week our position um, before God. Um, and if you don't know your position before God, how he views you, it can cause you all kinds of spiritual issues. Um, and you can't... Um, you're fighting a spiritual battle to serve your new master by living a life um, of holiness, and you can't win the battle if you don't first know um, your position. You have to get off the grave clothes, and that starts with knowing who you are. So as a quick reminder of uh, what last week was, because it leads up to this message, uh, this message is more of a conclusion to that, um, I want to just tell you who you are and what God's done for you so that you can take action on that knowledge. Do you know that when you were baptized into Christ, that you were united together, like joined at the hip, essentially, with him, and that when, in his death and burial and resurrection, so that your old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin has been put away with, and that you don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. Um, your old man can't tell you what to do anymore. And when Christ defeated um, death and sin, you died to sin's power over your life. And when Christ paid the penalty for your sin, um, you uh, died to the penalty that sin had over you, which was death. You need to know that you've been freed from sin. And when Christ was raised from the dead, you were also raised to walk in newness of life. He lifted you out of a life of sin that separated you from God. And he redeemed you and he clothed you with the righteousness of Christ. And these are such amazing truths. Um, and I just 
want to stop and just praise God for um, all the amazing things he's done for us, how he loves us. These are just incredible truths um, of what he has done for us, really. It's, it's just amazing. Um, and so that is your position before God. That's how he views you. But your daily practice is much different than that. Um, it doesn't match up to it. God has set a standard. This is how he views you. That's your position. Um, but your practice is much, much lower than that. You're, you sin daily. You mess up. You, um, you don't follow what you look like. But your life goal should be to match what your position is so that every day you walk and talk and act more like Christ and you shed the sins um, you know, that you were carrying before, that you stop living in bad habits, you start new, good, holy habits, um, and you become more like Christ throughout your life. Um, Christ has freed you from the penalty of death that sin had over you, and he also freed you from the power uh, had to control you, but um, we still have on these, like Lazarus, we still have on the grave clothes of the old self. What you're experiencing today, the struggle, is the presence of sin in your life. Um, so every day we have the choice whether or not, uh, we have the choice whether we're going to obey Christ or we're going to obey, obey sin and the fleshly desires and lusts that are still present um, around you and in your human nature. So that's the battle we're talking about today. And the Lord is telling you, like he told Lazarus, get off those grave clothes and walk in freedom. Walk in newness of life. So we need to examine our lives and look at any sin that's in our lives that could be holding us back from living a holy or righteous life. And knowing these truths in your head is the first step to living a victorious life over sin. It can give you confidence that the war is already won. Death is defeated. Sin is defeated. It's no longer your master. You've been raised to walk in newness of life. You really are free. And the second step is that you need to reckon these things or to consider or to believe them to be true in your heart. And the third step that we're going to talk about is to present yourself to God as alive from the dead. And this chapter could be basically summed up with, I know that I'm free, and now I need to live like it. So we'll go back and look at verse 11 in Romans chapter 6. It says, Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul brings us to the conclusion uh, here of his argument and shows us how we can live, uh, how bring our daily practice into what our position looks like before God. He says, um, believe that you're dead to sin. Your old self, um, it's a dead corpse and it can't do anything to you. It can't tell you what to do. Believe that you're alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ now lives in you, and he is your life, and you can now live for God instead of for your old sinful passions and lusts. Um, verse 12 says to, uh, Therefore, do not let sin reign 
in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. I'll put up a picture of these two fields. Um, imagine, uh, if you will, there's two fields in life, essentially, I want to illustrate. The one, the one on the left is good, it's fruitful, it's full of life, it's productive, and the one on the other side is a wasteland. And it's nothing good is growing there, and it's dark and gloomy. Um, imagine all your life, before you knew Christ, you were working on the field to the right that was, full, that was just a wasteland. Um, you were a slave to sin in that wasteland of a field, and sin was your master. It influenced your thoughts, it influenced your behaviors, it influenced um, everything, and it lied to you constantly. And then one day, when you became a, a believer, um, you, you came to know a new master. Um, you crossed over into that new field, and it's full of life, and it's ruled by righteousness and holiness. But while you're working for your new master, um, you keep on hearing sin crying out against, uh, it's yelling orders across the field to you, telling you to come back and work for it. And you don't, it's trying to get you to listen to what it has to say, um, but you're in the, the field on the, the left here, working for God, and you hear, you hear sin yelling, yelling, come back, come back, I have something to show you, I wanna, I wanna have you do this for me. Um, and it has a very interesting way of making you interested in what it has to say, even though you don't have to listen to it. It's not your master anymore. Um, but you're presented with a choice when, it, when you hear the temptation it, of whether you're going to obey God or whether you're going to obey sin. Um, so the verse says in, in verse 12, it says, do not let sin reign. It's a command, and it says, don't let it control your life. Um, so the question really is, who are you going to obey? Sin used to be the controlling factor in your life, but it doesn't have to be the controlling factor in your life. Um, its power is broken. It used to be a monarch over you, and it just condemned you to death, really. Um, but if you believe in your heart that you are dead to sin, as it tells us here, and that you are alive to God, then don't let it reign in your body anymore. And Paul continues his, his thought in verse 13, and he says, And do not present your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You can think of your members as your mind, your eyes, your hands, your feet, your tongue, um, there's a couple examples of people who use them in good ways and bad ways. For example, David, um, when he was a king, he used his eyes to lust after Bathsheba and commit adultery, and he used his uh, mouth to give out orders to have her, uh, her husband executed, essentially. Saul, before he became a Christian, used his mind and his hands to harass the early church and to put many of them in prison. Um, and people that use their members for righteousness, Noah used his hands to build an ark as God directed him. David, uh, when he was a boy, used his hands to throw a stone and uh, slay Goliath. 
Paul, after he was converted, used his mind and mouth to preach the gospel and build up new churches. So it says, um, there's two sides of it. You can use what God's given you to sin, or you can use what God's given you to um, be fruitful and to live a holy life. Um, And I want to ask you, is there an area in your life that you're using for sin? Do you use your tongue to gossip or to curse God in anger? Or do you use your mind to think um, bad thoughts towards people or impure thoughts? Is there another stronghold in your life that you're not letting go of, that you're, you're saying, this is my little secret sin that I'm going to hold on to, um, and God can't touch it? I want to encourage you to give control completely to God and use your body for righteousness. It says, present yourselves to God, and I want you to live for him who died and rose again for you. Um, In verse 14, it just says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. When sin was your master, you were under its requirements of the law. And the law was like a mirror. It showed you um, God's perfect standard for holy living. And when you saw yourself in the mirror, you saw how sinful you were and how you didn't match up to God's um, perfect standard of righteousness. And the law condemned you to death. And you saw yourself as an unrighteous sinner before God. Um, But if you're a believer today, you don't live under the law. You live under God's grace, and you live under its freedom. Um, Now you have the Holy Spirit, and it gives you the ability to live a holy life. You used to be fearful and scared of the judgment that would come for um, your sins, but now you have the freedom to serve God out of love for what he has done for you. Um, the law killed you and condemned you to death, but God's grace gives you the freedom and power to live victoriously over sin. And so Paul continues his argument in verse 15, and he says, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Certainly not. His original question at the beginning of the chapter was, Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he's rhetorically asking, if God's going to forgive me for any sin I do anyways, because he's gracious towards me and I'm not under the law, what if I just live a life full of sin and live it up because, and then at the last minute just say, God, forgive me, and I'm good. Because God's going to pour his grace out towards me anyways. And Paul says immediately, like, absolutely not. You know, that is not the way we have to think. Um, he says, now the question is, narrows it down to, well, what if I just sin a little bit? Is that okay if I go on sinning just a little bit? Um, And Paul responds again with the same response. Don't even think about it. That's not the way we're supposed to do it. God's grace is not a license to sin um, and to live however you want. Um, So Paul gives an explanation as to why uh, this is true. In verse 16, he says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. 
Paul goes on to explain why we shouldn't be okay with just sinning a little bit. Um, when you go on sinning and you haven't surrendered an area to Christ, it comes down to who do you want to be your master? It reminds me of the man who Jesus healed, and he was lying on the ground sick for about 38 years. Um, Jesus comes to him and he says, um, it says that he already knew that he had been in that condition for a long time. And Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? God could be speaking to you today about a sin in your life. And he could be saying, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be, ma- uh, you want to be free? Everyone will find something or someone to worship, whether it's God or a sin in their life or something else. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one or love the other. Uh, Or you're going to be loyal to the one or despise the other. You can't serve God and money or mammon. You can't serve God and sin at the same time. You can't serve God and jealousy or gossip or envy or dishonesty or anger. You can't serve God and lust. You can't serve God and your pride at the same time. Sin breaks, um, it it brings you death because it breaks the fellowship that you have with God. um, But thank God that when you choose to obey and surrender these areas uh, to God, he's purifying your heart and helping you to grow in holiness. You can willingly choose every single day to be a slave to sin, or to walk in the freedom that Christ offers you. And Paul talks about your slavery in past tense because this is the person that you used to be. Sin breaks your fellowship with God, but it doesn't break the relationship that you have with him. Just because a a child is disobedient to their parent and they're at odds with each other doesn't mean that they're not the son anymore. They're just not in a good standing or a good um, fellowship with them. Um, it's the same thing. When you sin, your fellowship is broken with God. But if you come to him in repentance, it's restored. Um, so your slavery is a past tense of who you used to be. Um, but since you put your faith in Christ and obeyed God from the heart, your identity is that currently, right now, you've been set free from sin. And the choice is that Are you going to walk in that freedom? In God's court of law, you've legally been set free from sin. Um, But the choice is, are you going to walk as a free person or as a slave? And if if you met somebody that was a slave, or a more realistic example is that if you met somebody that had a terrible job, and they just talked their whole life about how this job was awful, and how they hated their boss, how they hated their coworkers, they hated the environment, and they left for a better job, and then a week later they say, but I really, I really miss my old job. It doesn't make any sense. That person would be crazy. They left for very good reasons. Um, they're probably working a better job now. And you know the same thing with a slave. If a slave went back to their master that had abused them and taken advantage of them their whole life, why would they ever come back to them? And it's the same thing with sin. Sin was your master. Sin was abusive to you. It, it brought you death. It ruined your life. Um, why would you ever go back to it? 
Um, it's crazy and it doesn't make sense, but I want to encourage you with this. You are free. Live like it. And Paul explains in basic terms, um, he has to give an example of, like slavery because that's all that they could understand. He says in verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of um, uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. You used to make bad habits that led you into sin, and now you have the choice to make good new habits that can produce holiness in your life. You can get rid of anything in your life that's causing you to fall back into sin. And once you've made room for God, you can fill your time with good things that will produce holiness, like serving or memorizing scripture, prayer, um, witnessing to people, uh, memorizing scripture. Uh, because when you were a slave to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And as a slave to sin, the only freedom that you knew was that you were free from God's um, standard of righteous living. You were free from the good life, really, um, which was no freedom at all. Um, I want to have you turn to the person next to you and just talk about this for a second. I'll give you 30 seconds. What are the benefits that can come out of holy living? Just maybe um, you get a few hands, maybe two. What are some benefits from holy living? Serving the Lord. Yeah. 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 And Matt mentioned something about waking up every morning and just being refreshed with the Lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it can have, give you peace in your life. It can give you um, contentment. Um, so many different things. We could, we could go on for hours, really, about the, all the good things. Now turn to the person next to you and talk about all the benefits that sin gives you. Any, any takers? Anybody? No? Um, there aren't any benefits from sin. I'll just put it that way. Um, but the benefits from holy living are endless. There's holiness, life, joy, peace, contentment, fellowship with God. Uh, we could go on and on. And Paul brings us to this point in verse 21 because he wants this, you to see, you know, is there any point to go back to sin? I have the choice of whether or not I can go back to sin but should I? You know, uh, he says in verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, you have 
Um, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What Paul is saying here is, um, don't you realize that, you have the, that when you choose to sin, that it only produces death, and it produces shame and guilt in your life, and it breaks your fellowship with God. But you know that when you choose to obey God uh, from the heart, that it leads to righteous and holy living. Uh, when you choose to sin, it gives you your wages, which is death. But when you choose to serve God, the benefits are so incredible. He gives you a gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're a believer, you're united with Christ. When he paid the penalty for sin, your debts were paid in full. When he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead to walk in newness of life and live for God. Um, you are no longer a slave to sin. Your new master is calling you to follow, you, to follow him in obedience. And sin can tempt you all at once, but you don't have to go back to those old ways. Paul talks about this struggle in the next chapter. Um, he keeps on saying, I keep on doing the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I go back to doing. Um, and he says, I'm just such a wretched man for going back to these sins, these old ways. And he talks about um, you know, thanking God that he delivers him. Um, and so when we struggle with sin, in the presence of it, it can be hard to believe that the, uh, the reign of sin has is, is been broken because we keep on struggling with sin. We keep on losing the battle so often. But remember this, that when you're tempted to go back to your sins, that you can have great confidence that God will always provide a way of escape. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with a temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So when you hear sin calling you and tempting you to return to your old ways, uh, recognize the temptation for what it is and cry out to God for help. And he won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. God gives us this promise in the Psalms. He says, call out to me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. You can be very thankful for what God has done for us this morning, how um, our position before him and for the uh, encouragement to live a holy life, to walk in the freedom that he's given us. Um, we just, we're so grateful for um, what he has done for us, how he, he has joined us together with him and united us together in this so that we can walk in holiness. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for um, you bringing us into a, a right position before God um, and how you call us to live holy lives, to walk in this newness of life that you offer. Um, Lord, when we, when we fall back into sin and we're defeated and we're hanging our heads down low, 
Help us to remember these truths that our old man was crucified, that it was buried, and it's dead. we are dead to sin, that we are alive to God, and that we can walk righteously in holy lives. Help us to remember these things and to believe them in our hearts and to live differently because of them and build new habits that um, help us to become more like Christ. We just pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.